you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber coming to you live from separate locations. It's another tragic overnight in America as cities are torn apart by riots and looters. Uh, markets, though, remain disconnected as futures point to a sixth day higher out of seven. German DAX up nearly 4% on hopes for Merkel's stimulus. Oil above 36, the highest since March. Uh, Jim, you said uh, not only that the market has no conscience, but that this may reflect an extension of that stay-at-home trade we've been watching for so long. Look at all the stocks that are popping early on. They're all companies that people were starting to give up on, even 10 days ago, when they felt that the trade was the Mike Corbett trade, which is the CEO of Citi saying, they're coming back. When you look at what's going on in city after city, amazing uh, map in the New York Times today, you recognize that if you can do uh, what some companies are doing, which you're saying, you know what, it's up to you if you want to come back. I think now you have the onus of saying, well, <laughs> I'm not coming back. No way. So let's just dig in and get better cybersecurity. Let's dig in and, and update our Zoom, which reports this evening. And this, those are the stocks that are popping. And, and I respect that as from people who just say, I do not want to be back at that building it's the pan the, the pandemic's not done and the pandemonium has begun. What explains then Boeing up one percent, Jim? Carnival up another two and a half percent. I assume we're looking at hopes that uh, that these demonstrations and protests will not result in a further outbreak of the virus and that these epicenter stocks are to continue to outperform. We keep we keep betting that it has to you have to have it. It's been seven days now. We know the incubation period. Uh, I know that there's a lot of news stories saying that, you know, what the new strain doesn't catch was out of Milan. That's not true. Uh, We still fully expect that there be another wave. It has not happened. I think that we're starting to recognize again that the cruise ships continue to have unbelievably good orders. I start seeing we're seeing some more travel. I love to hear what Gary Kelly said. I mean, Gary Kelly put out this note. Southwest offers buyout packages, uh, temporary leaves to ensure survival. I don't think he's ensuring survival anymore. I think he's ins- ensuring that maybe he beats the quarter. Uh, and, he, and I don't mean that. to be, I, I love Gary. I'm just saying that Gary's, I think, running a great air, uh, really doing a great job. But I see I see positives and I don't see uh, the riots playing a role in our market other than to say, you know what, I'm staying at home. Nikesh Arora, who is the CEO of Palo Alto Networks, which has both a uh, on-premises firewall, but also good for the uh, cloud, said his plan is if you want to stay home, you can stay home. He wrote a great essay about it. I think it's going to become the ethos of the era. Stay home and we'll have you be just as well outfitted at the office. Well, look at you guys. I mean, does anyone like come in and say, and say well, wait, David, David's still in that house. And they say, oh, David's on TV. Got a good, I mean, maybe David's in a better office than Kramer. I mean, Kramer's office is like just okay. And behind David's looks like he's like Huntley and Brinkley from the old days or Walter Cronkite. 
<laughs> it's funny. I used to watch Huntley and Brinkley. Good night, Chet. Good night, David. Uh, good night, Jim, Carl. No. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, listen, I got this thing so I can do my job, right? Uh, we all know that. It's it, At the same time, you know, Jim, to your point, it is funny how many people I speak to, whether smaller companies, whether, you know, a fairly large, let's call it hedge fund in New York or giant companies are telling their employees and not, by the way, just VMware, where we heard from the CEO on Friday right. saying perhaps as many as 60 percent of his employees may never come back to the office, but smaller companies and or not even technology related companies that are choosing to at least say, you know what, maybe Labor Day, maybe not till next year. It doesn't really matter. Things are going just fine. But I have to wonder what that will mean for overall economic activity when people are not leaving their homes in the same way that they once did, and certainly what it means for urban centers around this country. But this is a Mexican standoff, David. Uh, if you're up, if your workday's going up against Oracle, and Oracle's not traveling, and workday's not traveling, and you're just zooming it, think about all the money you save. As long as everybody plays by the rules and doesn't hit the road, everybody makes a lot more money. And it's easy to justify, of course, obviously, in health concerns. But I'm seeing companies, and I mentioned Workday because Anil uh, Bush was closing a lot of deals on Zoom. But they're also talking about saving a lot of money. Because if you mark Benioff, now he lost some, uh, obviously he had deposits on, on, on his, a lot of his celebrations of, uh, of, of Salesforce. But they're not sending people out. Right. They're closing deals. And I think that's no. what we didn't think of happen. They're closing deals. Right. They're closing them through Zoom. The need to be, uh, to be face-to-face or to be on a golf course or to be wherever it was that business seemed to get done perhaps is not as great as it was right. as it appeared to be. But let's go back to Southwest then, because you said, well, this may just be about earning more money. Or, um, but you're also describing a world in which business travel does not come back to anything what, towards what it was. And we know that that is usually the highest single profit margin part of an airline's business. But I also think that Gary Kelly told us if there's some place to go, then they'll start it being customers. And now we've got the variations of Disney World. We've got theme parks. And also, I regard Gary as a, a, his airline as a, as a function of oil. Uh, the Permian at 35, 36 lives. Uh, so there, and I think that the people involved with the oil patch, that's a very labor-intensive business. And Southwest covers that area, owns that area. I, I'm just judging by the fact that this stock is now well above where it did the gigantic offering. And, and that's a very bullish sign. Uh, these stocks all uh, are coming back. They creep up a little bit, just like the cruise ships do. And every day people say, hey, that's making a comeback. And I keep kind of saying it should never have gotten as low as it did because J-PAL made it so that anybody can raise money with, by, by just talking about it. Unsung hero, Jay. Yeah. Unsung, got a lot more white hair. Have you noticed uh, that? I worry. <laughs> I worry about Jay. Speaking of raising... Speaking of raising money, uh, Jim, the FT has some details on this Amazon offer that we talked about yesterday at the lowest uh, corporate borrowing costs ever recorded, going back to at least 1980. Uh, $10 billion, three-year notes at four-tenths, uh, compares to one-nine when they bought Whole Foods a few years ago. I mean, just remarkably cheap money for a company that, as you said, Jim, is fitting right into the dynamic we're all living in. 
I think some of us remember when Amazon was going to come to the market and we said, well, that's impossible. Amazon is a company that is made to lose money. And who is this wacko guy who comes on? And he laughs on CNBC and uh, and the, the price he had to pay was high and it had that kind of Tesla feel to it. Uh, the next thing you know, this is uh, the world's largest it's going to pass Walmart, I think, and Costco. You can say it's the world's largest retailer, and it, it has been just the biggest pandemic winner. It, it's extraordinary. And I have some pictures of boxes, of uh, Amazon boxes piling incredibly high in, in, in front of our house because there was a day where my wife just said, it's coming, it's coming. Well, you know, like, you know it's coming. And, and it yeah. is, it's the one. I, I mean, I, I have to tell you, other than Chewy, it's Amazon, you know, occasional target box. Uh, but Amazon turned out to be the huge winner, just like it is in so many things. It's a snowstorm. It's a huge winner. It's Amazon Day. It's a huge winner. It's, I mean, it's, geez, what a con. They're like the old Yankees. Remember them? Yankees? The 27 Yankees or, yes, the, uh, or the Dirk Whoa. Jeter Yankees? Which the 27 ones? Yankees. Yeah. Wait, wait, uh-huh. the, the Thurman Munson? Drink his straw that no, not the Thurman Munster's been Mariano Rivera, Derek Jeter years were pretty strong years, yeah. too. Um, I, listen, not that I like talking about the Yankees, it was like but the, the big do pool. get bigger, the strong the pool era, the str- <laughs> 69 Mets, yes. Uh, the strong get stronger, the big get bigger, and the capital markets have been in giving and giving and giving to Carl's point. I mean, 0.4 percent on three year money. We've talked so often about investment grade. Uh, debt issuance, which is setting all sorts of records. If it keeps up anywhere near this pace, we'll end this year with numbers we've never seen before. Um, Not to mention equity offerings in the month of May, I believe, were the highest on record as well. $65 billion of equity sold. Companies have been able to access the capital markets to help either provide liquidity, repair balance sheets, in the case of offering equity, of course, and just survive this period, or in the case of Amazon, raise money at virtually no cost for the added costs that they are putting on in terms of dealing with the pandemic for uh, their workforce and their facilities and everything else. But how about all these companies that brought down, they, they took the revolver, uh, they issued uh, a, a debt, and now business is fine. What are they going to do? Their cash balances are gigantic. What happens? Yeah, well, you, you know, listen, they're going to be there's not going to be any pressure on them for now, Jim. Right. They did the right thing. Right. They made sure to be able to live to another day, Carl. And that's where they stand right now. I don't see any activist pressure saying, oh, yeah, lever up your capital structure. No time soon. Right. Well, the mission for a lot of uh, corporate America guys this morning will be obviously uh, protecting their business model, protecting their balance sheets, while also and we'll talk about Bank of America in a few moments, trying to address uh, the social imbalances that we're uh, dealing with now in this country to that point and to the action that we saw last night in our nation's capital. Let's get to Eamon Javers. Good morning, Eamon. Yeah, good morning, Carl. These dramatic and controversial scenes at the White House yesterday as the president took to the Rose Garden to call for the nation's governors to get much tougher on rioters uh, in cities across the United States. Then the president, having Pennsylvania Avenue cleared of peaceful protesters and violently cleared in some cases of those peaceful protesters, the president then walking across Lafayette Park, as you see there, some of the graffiti that has been sprayed by those protesters in order to go to St. John's Church, uh, which is the historic 
historic church of the presidents just across the street from the White House and pose there uh, with a Bible in front of the church. Those images uh, causing some controversy this morning as some of the religious leaders affiliated with St. John's Church uh, are saying that they were not notified the president was going to be there, criticizing his visit, saying he didn't pray or come inside the church, and he had to clear peaceful protesters, including some of the members of the church, out of the street in order to do that. So uh, the president, though, viewing this very much as a uh, sign of strength, that he's dominating the protesters. And we're going to see more from the president on the religious front later today. He's expected to go to the shrine of uh, St. John Paul II here in Washington, D.C. That's uh, up near uh, Catholic University in a different area of the city. Uh, he's going to make a visit there in just a couple of hours' time. We'll see whether the president addresses the media uh, about these protests while he is there as well. So the president uh, hitting a religious theme here uh, amid the, the violence uh, and the protests, the pandemic and the economic collapse that are all going on simultaneously here in the United States. Carl. Eamon, I noticed uh, the secretary of state, uh, Pompeo, is going to be uh, talking to survivors of Tiananmen Square today mm -hmm. at state at 2.30. I mean, how is the administration going to balance uh, the view of people who are uh, showing protest against government policy, uh, both in remembering Tiananmen, obviously, the anniversary coming up in a couple of days, and the situation that America is in at the moment. Well, look, the administration has encouraged protesters around the world, including in Hong Kong and Iran, uh, and it, retrospectively, uh, the Tiananmen Square protesters in China. Uh, but at, th at this point, what the president's doing is, is sort of straddling a line, saying that he himself is appalled by what happened to George Floyd, uh, and there needs to be accountability in terms of police brutality on, on innocent people or people who are being arrested, uh, and at the same time saying that there needs to be a much tougher line against the violence and looting that have marred some of those peaceful protests. So the, the president's saying he's in favor of the peaceful protests, but against the violence and looting. The White House making a calculation that that's where most of Americans are politically as well, whatever side of the line they are on the police brutality issue and the protests themselves. Uh, the White House deciding that their point is uh, they are against this violence and looting and for the peaceful protests. At the same time, that gesture sort of marred yesterday by the president clearing those uh, peaceful protesters forcefully out of the way so he could do the photo op at the church. Right, right, which uh, ended up in the, on the front page of the Times this morning. They put it just like you said, Eamon. Uh, Eamon, we'll talk to you later this morning. Thank you. Eamon Javers coming to us from Washington, D.C. We'll take a quick break. We do have to keep our eye on the markets to a large degree. We got calls today out of Lululemon. Uh, got a call on the Goldman Sachs from uh, Mike Mayo. Dollar index at a seven-week low. Uh, and, of course, uh, a lot of action coming up. Uh, regarding uh, the protests. We'll hear what Brian Nichol of Chipotle told Jim on Bad Money last night. Don't go away. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Welcome back. Time for a mad dash. Wayfair is what you got focus on today. Why, Jim? Well, at first, there's an excellent piece, Piper Overweight, uh, raised price target. But there's a, a, a we talk a lot about work from home, and that's at WFH. David, there's a backyard trade. Uh, people 
want to congregate, but they have to congregate outside. You get more than six people, they got to be outside. Wayfair is part of that. Tractor Supply is part of that. Lowe's Corp is part of that. And this is just basically a new form of the way people get together in the pandemic. And Wayfair is a, a great place to buy the furniture for it. And I, it's inexpensive. It comes right from Amazon. They were at death's door. They had, a, a, there was a period in February where people felt that maybe they don't make it. And they've been rescued by the novel coronavirus because people want to be able to sit outside, have a couple of beers. And, and I know this is a rather you know, odd uh, manifestation of the of the illness, but it, it is something to watch in tractor supplies. You know, David, you, I've always liked tractor supply. You always question my love yes. for it. You have never been to my tractor supply. You don't know how good it is. But that's nope. another great outdoor play, although it was downgraded today on valuation. How wrong is that? It was a Goldman cause. I mean, I mean, don't they understand that this is the uh, the new way people get together? And that's how we get together. We get together. We sit around in a circle. We look like idiots. We yes. uh, say, hey, how you doing? Nobody can hear anybody because we're all too old. Uh, but we have a great time. It's the backyard trade. It's the year of the backyard. Lowe's is winning. Tractor Supply is winning. Williams-Sonoma is winning. And Wayfair is winning. And, David, you, uh, you're right. out there. You probably have a backyard where you are. I bet you you sit yes, around I'm, in I'm, Wayfair chairs. I'm lucky enough to have a backyard. We have ordered some uh, chairs that I've been actually in the process of putting together. See? I'm looking at them right now. See what I mean? And yeah. you don't even have any friends. Yeah. Uh, no, that's true. Uh, I just sit and I just alternate myself in each of the chairs. Right. Pretend. So the novel like virus has even affected life. the way yeah. you dislike people. A whole new place. Yeah. Your backyard. Um, Jim, real quickly, on the stock itself and the valuation uh, and uh, the problems that they were having prior to coronavirus, should uh, there still be some concern? See, there you go. You have to go mention something as trite as valuation. You have to do it. You, 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 you can't resist. David, this is a new market. No. It's a David Portnoy market. And we know that things like valuation are comical. And both you and I know that this does not end well when it's comical. Price target 220 almost went almost went. You know, a lot of people felt it was like not a survivor. Uh, so I do think that when you look at the revenue, it's the earnings per share. And look at this in 2020, David, it could lose only two two dollars and ninety eight in the fiscal year. In 2021, it may only lose a dollar fifty seven. How about what kind of oh, rate would you okay. give their bonds if you want if they want to do a three year? Uh, I'd give them a little over Amazon, you know, maybe a 0.5. That's right. Yeah, we'll because 10 basis they've points. got yeah. the backyard trade. There you go. You can't make this stuff um, up, can you? All right. We got a lot more. We got a lot more to talk about this morning, Jim. Uh, we're also going to have a couple of those astronauts joining us, the ones who went up in the SpaceX rocket. They're now on there. They are on the space station making their entrance there. 932. Don't miss it. We're back with a lot more Squawk in the Street after this. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. 
You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. It has been an historic week for the U.S. space program. And coming up later this morning, the first two commercially launched NASA astronauts will join us from the International Space Station that's coming up just after a break and the opening bell. So stay with us. Country's obviously in crisis this week, and we increasingly are looking to corporate America to offer some solutions for the inequalities that are uh, being more visible every day. Bank of America is a good example this morning, guys. A billion dollars, a four-year commitment to support economic opportunity initiatives. Brian Moynihan writes, the events of the past week have created a sense of true urgency that has arisen across our nation, particularly in view of the racial injustices we've seen in the communities where we work and live. We all need to do more. Uh, guys, I was also struck by a comment from the uh, McDonald's U.S. president, uh, which said he was appalled uh, by the events of the past couple of weeks. Jim, we're going we're gonna to stay on top of this part of it. Yep. Yeah, I went to see a branch of a, uh, a Chase Bank opened by Jamie Dimon at, at a neighborhood called 9th and 19th in Philadelphia. It's a neighborhood that uh, people I know have tried to develop, and it just is, has been too tough. Too tough because it's too dangerous. And there they open a branch, and that can be a stable part of a neighborhood uh, they did it because they want to do right, but they also did it because it's good business. And I think that's the same thing that Brian Cornell did when he opened a Target on Flatbush Avenue. Do right, do good. And I think that a lot of these people, I know Brian William feels this way. I'm sure McDonald's does. Do right, do good. You think these neighborhoods do not have, uh, are not lucrative. Wrong. The neighborhoods are great. It's you that's not doing anything. So I am thrilled that these business people are stepping up. And then, of course, uh, Brian Nickel talked to you last night on Mad Money about how uh, the unrest has affected Chipotle in particular. Let's take one quick listen to that. All of our employees have been safe. We have had some damage to restaurants, uh, but it's all damage, frankly, that we can patch up and fix. Um, you know, I'm optimistic about um, our future. And I think, you know, we have to address some of these issues that are absolutely plaguing, um, you know, this great country. And I believe we will address them and we'll get back on uh, with doing the right things for everybody. Now, Brian happens to have a business model that we often forget is much more uh, attuned to being able to have the CEO say, here's the way it has to be, because they own their own stores. Uh, and their stores have historically hired people and trained them and given them a level of education that is, other than Starbucks, I think, second to none, uh, when you have a strong leader like Brian, what you have are people who are doing things in neighborhoods, knowing that it helps them advance. And that's another thing. I mean, it has to count. That, that's something that Mark Benioff has always said. It, it, it counts if you go do something else. Clorox, 
Benodur, you want to advance, you do something to save the environment. And that's what part of your compensation is. These people have looked at what comp is, and comp drives this kind of thing. And you may say, well, why doesn't the goodness of their heart do it? Well, look, I just think that these are businesses. I know I'm going back and forth on Twitter where people say, listen, it's God and family, Jim, that matters. You know, look, does Brian Nickel want to influence God and family? What he wants to do is help people make some money so that they can have a better world for their kids. You know, business can do so much. I mean, business can help schools. Business can, can uh, help employees. But business is not government. And the government has the big money. But I think almost all these CEOs I deal with, they felt that they, they ceded too much authority to government. They want to take it back. They want to take it back. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, we, Jim, we spent um, a lot of time, guys, get, talking about the ESG movement prior to, uh, prior to, of course, the onset of the pandemic. And this is part of it. This is part of it, uh, guys. You know, yes. diversity in the workplace and stakeholders far beyond just shareholders and their needs. Absolutely. Jim, it's a bit of a cognitive dissonance, uh, given the destruction and trauma of the week, when you compare it to the extraordinary, historic accomplishment of sending uh, men into space for the first time on U.S. soil in nine years. We're going to talk to the astronauts in a couple of moments, but I don't know. How do, how do you process the accomplishment on that front, uh, the tenacity and rigor of Elon Musk and his science? I mean, how much, of, how, how much of a priority can we make this, given everything else we've we got can. going on? I think we can. The riots uh, 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 that occurred at the time when we put someone on the moon gave people hope that, uh, you know, that there is a, a part of the government that can do real good. And I think it's the same way. You, have to, you just have to say, look, there are, part, there are things that are going right, just like when we landed a man on the moon. It, looked like it was a horrible time for America. But we had something to look forward to. Uh, front page, top of the fold. I liked it. We got, um, we got the opening bell there. We are going to hand it over to Morgan Brennan uh, for a couple of very special guests. Morning, Morgan. Good morning, Carl, and thank you. We're going to turn now to the International Space Station. Station, this is CNBC. How do you hear me? The International Space Station has you loud and clear. Great. Well, thank you for joining us this morning on the heels of ringing that NASDAQ opening bell. Historic weekend as Bob and Doug, you became the first astronauts launched from American soil in nine years. First to make this journey via both a commercial rocket and a commercial spacecraft. Got to start right there. How was the ride, especially given the fact that you have the space shuttle to compare it to? Well, hello, Morgan. Uh, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Uh, our experience on board uh, Dragon was just really exciting for us. Uh, both uh, the fueling event before we lifted off, it was uh, different than the space shuttle, a little bit more dynamic, a little bit more exciting for us, uh, probably a little bit, just a little bit at least, because it was the first time anyone had done that. Uh, we then launched into into space on board the Falcon 9, and uh, the ride, I'll say, was a little bit smoother than our shuttle experience. The shuttle was a little bit rougher, at least at the beginning. Uh, later in the flight, uh, it did uh, wake us up a little bit, though, as we uh, continued all the way into low Earth orbit. Just uh, really exciting for both of us. Uh, I know we were smiling and talking through the th entire uh, way uphill, so it was uh, just a lot of fun for us. That's great. And just for our viewers, given the fact that we do have a little bit of a delay, keep in mind this is a live interview. It's taking place with the International Space Station, which is 250 miles above Earth. 
Expedition, Expedition 63 ISS Commander Chris Cassidy, Flight Engineers Bob Bankin and Doug Hurley are with us this morning. Guys, major moment in history. What does this mean for each of you? Well, I think for me personally, it's uh, it's a great way to uh, fly your third time in space uh, after nine-year wait uh, to fly previously uh, on the last shuttle flight. So this is a good way to kind of bookend it uh, from a career standpoint and uh, to fly with two close friends and uh, get to spend some time on the space station is just a, uh, it's a real icing on the cake for me. Great. Bob and Doug, you worked closely with SpaceX on design and development of Crew Dragon. You named it Endeavor on this trip as well. What was the process of that design and development like and how involved was Elon Musk? Well, for both Doug and I, we did spend quite a bit of time working directly with the team out in Hawthorne. Uh, we've, of course, visited uh, most of SpaceX's facilities around the country at uh, McGregor, Texas, and then down at the Kennedy Space Center. Uh, our experience was was pretty uh, extensive. We were able to get to all the facilities, interface with all the different aspects of the vehicle. I think Doug and I went something like uh, 32 consecutive weeks with uh, travel out to California to work directly with that team face-to-face. -face. Uh, it really just does help to be able to see each other. Uh, managing that through the pandemic that we faced was a bit of a challenge, but one that we overcame and the SpaceX team did a wonderful job with uh, facilitating that, providing a, a clean environment and, and ensuring that we didn't get exposed to anything that might uh, potentially impact hardware production or, of course, a, a launch delay. I do know that uh, Elon was uh, involved in quite a bit of the uh, development uh, process. I know that many of the topics that we would discuss would then be percolated up through the organization and he would give the uh, final approval on, on many of the aspects of things that uh, we were we were trying to get developed. And so uh, definitely a huge team that uh, pulled together and, and SpaceX just did a wonderful job with uh, allowing us to be a part of that innovative process. And Chris, I'll put this question to you as we usher in this new era of human spaceflight. How close are we really to this commercialized space reality or the so-called colonization of space? How do you see it? Well, I, I see that the, this, uh, the, the space station eventually will, will no longer be operated by the government. I, I, I'm not entirely privy to all the details, but there, there's plans for after uh, the government is done with the space station, perhaps we turn that over to operating from a commercial entity or add additional modules that commercial entities uh, provide. And, and we are really close. Technically, that's not a leap far at all. It's just a matter of getting the will, getting the, um, the demand, and, uh, and, and we can make it happen. And, and that's super exciting because there's so much capability that's offered here on the space station. But ultimately, uh, our destination as, as space travelers is Mars with a stop at the moon. And, uh, and the International Space Station gives us that core, that bedrock of knowledge that we have to really fine tune all of the technical things we need to do to accomplish those two larger uh, long-term goals. Whether it's Virgin Galactic or Blue Origin or even the prospective sale of seats on SpaceX's Crew Dragon, what do you think of all of the space tourism efforts that are underway? Do you think non-professionals are going to be able to handle G-Force and some of the other things that are associated with going to and from space? 
Well, each one of us experienced it for the first time, just like uh, hopefully a lot of other people will get to do uh, going forward as we privatize the uh, low-Earth orbit and suborbital industries. I, I think it's just very much based on the individual and, you know, with the proper instruction and training, those folks will at least understand what they're going to go through, whether it's a suborbital flight or an actual trip to the International Space Station or low-Earth orbit. Uh, I think managing folks' expectations as they do that is, is an important part of the training. And then, obviously, there's the physical aspects, but I think most people should be able to to physically tolerate any of those flights. And once again, as I said before, just take in what is uh, just an incredible planet that we uh, live on. And finally, uh, given the fact that you do quite literally have this unique view of the world right now, uh, orbiting above it, what is the perspective or the insights that you would want to share with those of us that are, quite frankly, in what's been a difficult 2020, navigating quite a number of societal challenges back here on Earth. Well, I, I will tell you that the pandemic challenge, for example, should give uh, the entire country and the entire world an appreciation for really what it's like to be an astronaut preparing to launch into space. Uh, the quarantine level, the preparation to ensure that you don't bring anything you don't want all the way into orbit and infect or uh, pass it on to the, your crewmates is something that uh, we've done for years as astronauts. And if you look back in our history of our space program, there was a time when the astronauts returning from the moon uh, went into a, a lockdown and a quarantine behind the glass to just make sure that nothing came back with them that we didn't want to have back on Earth. And so I think that what's called the overview effect that astronauts uh, uh, typically achieve when they uh, accomplish their first space flight and look back at the Earth and realize that, you know, there are no boundaries or borders uh, really observable from space for the most part. You see that it's a single planet with a shared atmosphere. It's our shared place uh, in, in this universe. And so I think that perspective as we go through things like the, the pandemic or we see the challenges across our nation or across the world and recognize that we all face them together. Uh, hopefully, a little bit of the astronaut experience and a little bit of that perspective is uh, uh, being shared by the rest of the world right now. We're able to get through it on the International Space Station uh, through cooperation with our international partners, with our commercial partners, of course. And hopefully, we can be an inspiration and an example for what we'd like to see happen uh, across the world. I think I speak for many people when I say you are inspiring us right now. Thank you so much for your service and your bravery. May you all have safe journeys back to Earth when that time does come. Bob Benkin, Doug Hurley, Chris Cassidy, joining us exclu exclusively from 250 miles above Earth at the International Space Station. Thank you so much. Carl. Morgan, thanks so much for bringing that to us. Uh, our Morgan Brennan uh, with the astronauts on ISS, Jim, uh, wow. I mean, what a perspective. Uh, we spend all morning, we spend every day uh, talking about our divisions, our borders, our differences, but the idea of one planet uh, it maybe is the, the one thing we needed to hear today. Uh, no one. It has been since Wendell Wilkie that I have heard one world. Uh, it is a delight to hear that we are all in this together from people who are able to have a perspective that is ironclad. I mean, this was not something ethereal is that they're looking at it and saying we are all together. And 
I wish that we're at a time when there's more nationalism than any time in my life, uh, certainly maybe any more time than the previous century other than the 1930s. It's nice to hear that there's no need for it, given the fact that we do share so much. It, very profound, kind of really thoughtful guys. Terrific. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess if we're looking for a segue back to markets, Jim, uh, maybe we can use aerospace because Boeing is helping once again. Uh, up almost 2%. It went down too low. They, Boeing was reflecting that there would not, they would not get the money. Airlease, when I, when I had them on, Airlease, a huge buyer, Boeing, reminded me that when they, up, when they started with the 737 MAX, that line again, that's because they may be getting the high sign from the, the, F, the FAA that something good is going to happen within the next three months. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, if suddenly they said, you know what, the 737 MAX flies, uh, if we started getting the confidence of flying, uh, I know I'm talking about it. Uh, I'm sending my, my daughter back from Spain. Uh, I think that the planes are, are safer than people realize. But I know that that is right now pie in the sky. I think it won't be when everyone wears a mask and they do some social distancing. It's certainly in their interest to do that. But people are flying and people are going to be taking cruise ships when they're allowed because it turns up that there is just I think that there's the fear is receding. Now, you may think that the fear is based on fact, but no matter what, it is receding. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I think we all hear it every day uh, and just see it every day in terms of the actions people are willing to take now or, and or consider taking, which gets to theme parks. A journal story today about Cedar Fair, of course, Six Flags, another one. You know, will people come back to those kinds of theme parks, Jim, is certainly a key question, not to mention, of course, for our parent company, which also has significant interest in theme parks and Disney, the worldwide leader as well. Um, You think that the prospects that you're discussing, therefore, make it more likely that people are willing to queue up and and uh, and mass enter a theme park? The uh, last piece of research I read on Cedar Fair, which is simple fun, is that uh, it's not in an area they don't have. I I know this is. They don't have their parks in areas where there are big COVID outbreaks. And I think that one of the things that's happened during this period is initially the northern peoples were were saying, just you wait. Uh, Well, we've waited. And the south is not unless the numbers are not true, uh, which I think they are true. But where there are places that are safer than others. And I think that that's something that we didn't think was the science didn't seem to indicate that there could be some places safer than others. And, and yet we've seen that. And, and I think that it's been there's a lot of denial. I, I cannot believe that there's still non-essential companies that are still closed in the Northeast because there's really I mean, this is the month where they can't pay the rent. But if there are areas where COVID is not known uh, or is felt to be in, in receding, yeah, I think people are going to take a chance because they just feel that. They feel safer than they should. It could be wrong, but they do. I think Cedar Fair is going to have a decent quarter. Hmm. Well, certainly, Jim, that's been reflected in driving activity. Uh, We'll take a break here, but crude oil just south of 36. Got to go all the way back to March to see a number uh, that high amid uh, higher demand and then hopes that the Saudis and the Russians can all agree to extend some of these production cuts for a few more months. 3059 on the S&P. Back after a break. 
Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. Guys, I'm going to do a little bit of an update on a story that I have been reporting on for a number of weeks now, given the continued interest, at least amongst those who turn themselves event-driven investors and the like. I'm talking about those continued talks between Uber and Grubhub to try to reach a, a deal under which Uber would acquire a, a Grubhub. The talks continue. Uh, the last time I talked about it, I think it was about a week and a half ago, where I'd indicated that uh, the price expectations of either side had narrowed and that they seemed to be getting closer to a potential ratio that would be agreeable to both. But another part of this that I've also discussed in the past is antitrust risk. Uh, these are two of the three largest players, of course, in food delivery. The antitrust risk is significant in terms of them coming together and potentially uh, reaching a deal only to be rejected by antitrust regulators. And so a lot of the focus has been, and a lot of the conversation, by the way, is principle to principle here, not necessarily fully involving bankers. Uh, but a, a lot of the focus has been on how do you mitigate that risk, both together in terms of perhaps offering something, broadly speaking, to the community that you serve so that you could come out of the box saying, hey, these are the things we're doing to make sure we maintain and increase competition in some way. And if you're Grubhub in particular, how do you make sure during that potentially long regulatory review that you protect your business so that if you do come out of this on the other side as an independent company because it has been rejected, you are still in a position to compete against Uber. So those are the focus right now of, of sort of these continued conversations. I am told there is progress being made, but it still could take some time. Of course, as many know, the longer things go, the less likely in some ways they get to fruition. You typically, once things become public in the manner that they did a number of weeks back, want to get them done. It does bring up a larger issue as well, guys, though, of mergers and acquisitions and antitrust, because there is sort of a theme I'm hearing now from the bankers who, of course, want to see some deals occur, saying, hey, if you're planning on trying to get something done, try and get it done before Inauguration Day next year, if, in fact, there is a Democratic administration that takes over. The impact on antitrust, many believe, would be significant and that fewer deals would be allowed to cross the finish line. Who knows? You know, we could have said different things about a Trump administration. Certainly would never would have imagined, for example, opposition to the likes of AT&T and Time Warner. That came. But there is, Jim, this belief that, hey, you know, antitrust could become a larger risk under a Biden administration if, in fact, that were the case. Chris, you have to remember, we're only, what, five little five months away from Election Day. Well, uh, as someone who's in this business, I, I need a strong Grubhub uh, teamed up with Uber because right now DoorDash is so powerful and it is so ubiquitous that it's it's tough to get a competitor to go in against them. You need to pair these guys and get them to fight each other in order to get your business. But Grubhub and, uh, and Uber are not powerful enough on their own. So, I mean, I would argue that it's kind of like Sprint and T-Mobile. If you want a powerful competitor, you got to let these two merge. I hope the government thinks about that. Right. Right now, DoorDash and it's is it's interesting dominant. you mentioned that, Jim. DoorDash yeah, it's is so Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that because it, if you recall, when Sprint and T-Mobile did announce their deal, they came with certain things on the antitrust front as well. Offerings, of course. Remember, keeping prices where they were for a number of years and stressing, of course, 5G and how important it was to a nationwide strategy and to really kind of almost on a on a on a defense level. So important for this country as it competes worldwide. So they're trying to figure out ways that they can go about doing that. Not quite to that extent no. uh, or of importance necessarily, Jim. But but it, you're right. That is it. At the same time, talking about antitrust and the uncertainty of it, 
The national antitrust regulators said okay, and then you had New York states and right. the other states say no. Good point. Guys, um, financials and energy helping us out this morning. Uh, Wells takes Goldman Sachs to 230 uh, out of uh, Mike Mayo's note. VIX below 28. We're back after a short break. Dow's up 117 points, but it's really Europe that's enjoying the lion's share of the gains around the world this morning. Germany uh, up almost 4%, best day since early April, as Merkel continues to hammer out a stimulus package, and that rescue package for Lufthansa was approved by the board. Back in just a moment. It's time for Jim and Stop Trading. Copper. Copper is now the highest since mid-March. It's on a China recovery. This is 11-week high. And I've got to tell you, when we talk about Europe, what we should be always thinking about is Europe's biggest uh, export to China, cars. Cars are up 11.7. Continual theme, the comeback of China. I know it's not something that they want to hear about in Washington, but it's buoying a lot of countries because they're buying things again. Yeah, Jim, I was seeing charts of uh, iron ore out of Brazil uh, last couple of weeks, I mean, uh, feeds that ongoing discussion about uh, long-term inflation. Yeah, but I just think China's back, and it helps a lot of a lot of our companies. I've got Marvell Technology on tonight. They are a 5G play. Uh, China loves 5G, and they've got some big customers in China doing quite well. And then I've got Proofpoint, which is a work-at-home play because it's so easy to hack people when you're working at home. I'm going to maybe see how. I'm going to test it. I'm going to hack David's PC. See what's in that. See what happens while he's out there doing <laughs> doing social distancing with Wayfair furniture at home, talking to no one. That's that's my life, and you will find if you hack that there is absolutely nothing interesting to see on my computer. Well, there you go. Show. It'll be go an ahead. exercise in futility. Yeah. It would be. <laughs> hey, hey, Jim. The one the one thing we didn't crack this hour was Sanofi uh, saying that human trials for COVID vaccine would begin toward the end of the year. And then some reports uh, that Regeneron's working on an inhaled version uh, of their drug. Uh, things that medical incremental moves that sometimes get lost Len in the news. Schleifer is the guy. He's going to have the antiviral. It's going to be a cocktail that he's made of monoclonal antibodies. You'll see this. I think he's at everybody. I love Lilly, but my money is on Regeneron. It's not a horse race. It's just a great company doing a lot of great things. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where one travel comes in. With one travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With one travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One travel.